On the second night of a back-to-back, the Milwaukee Bucks survive a fourth quarter scare from the Miami Heat to defeat them, 122-114. to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard led the Bucks with 33 and 25 points, respectively. Thank God for that dynamic duo. We're going to break it all down <laughs> from tonight's win and more on this episode of Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We appreciate you tuning in and thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of the day. I'm your host, Camille Davis, and you can catch me weekly on the Technical File podcast, as well as Cheesehead TV's Carry the G and MKE. Joining me, as he always has and probably always will, <laughs> is the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the pod, Frank Madden. Today's episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Now. This is not my first time on this show, but it's my first time in this chair. And with this being my first time in this hosting chair, I was praying that the Bucks would give me some good things to talk about uh, after the loss to the Knicks, or not the Knicks, uh, the loss uh, yesterday. Hawks. We, we're already Hawks. blanking it out. Yes, we're, already, we're, already, we're already just like blacking out everything Don't that happened on that Sunday. One. Right. But. Today, they beat the Heat, although I was scared there for a second in the fourth quarter after they gave up 41 in the fourth. And I'm sure there were some other Bucks fans out there who were having some Miami Heat playoff flashbacks um, watching that lead dwindle. And the craziest part was that the Heat did this without Jimmy in the game. Bam wasn't available. It was a heavy dose of Tyler Hero and the Miami bench. But the Bucks hung on and closed out the game. Yeah, and I mean... Look, I feel like at this point, you know, especially early season basketball with, you know, obviously uh, some major changes to the roster, new coaching staff, new system. We can talk a little bit about what we've seen from that system, uh, which I think is justifiably uh, creating some chatter, uh, especially around what they're doing defensively. Um, but, I, you know, it's kind of those things, just the idea of like, you know what, like if, if you're figuring stuff out, like if, you know, the thing that differentiates like the good, great teams from everybody else is you can bank wins while you're figuring it out. And mm-hmm. look, Sunday was was ugly. They just got basically their asses kicked by, by the Hawks. The Hawks just outplayed them, you know, up and down the floor. Um, so, you know, especially with this game, obviously the whole subtext of, of the Heat, the playoff series last year, of course, you really don't want to lose this game. You find out beforehand that Bam's going to be missing. So, Again, Chris, Min- Chris Middleton, yes, on a minute's limit, but he was playing tonight after sitting out the game on Sunday. And I would say he's been a, a well, a much needed lubricant for that offense. Um, even if he's not scoring at a high level yet, just his playmate was, was a nice shot in the arm, I think, for this team. And so, yeah, I mean, they're still kind of, they're still figuring stuff out, you know, like it's, it's interesting with Damon Giannis. Like, I think they've both been at four or fewer assists in all three games, mm-hmm. um, I want to say, like. The, the, the offense doesn't really. It wouldn't be locked on bucks without a, a Frank Madden freezing. See, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Oh, let me tell you that. <laughs> oh, it was a short freeze, short freeze, short <laughs> freeze. I never, I never, my, my, my internet never goes out when, when, you know, Kane was talking or when you're talking, it'll only be when I'm talking. Um, that's just how it goes. But, uh, 
but yeah, so not not a work of art here with that fourth quarter ending. But um, I don't know. In some level, it's like maybe maybe it's good. You know, maybe it's good that they kind of get taken down a peg <laughs> with the way that they kind of sleptwalk through the fourth quarter. Um, because man, there were some you know before things got really close, like like a couple possessions in a row where like Giannis and Bobby both kind of played some Matador defense. And it's like, oh, you know, we're up 18 to 20 points, right. no big deal. And that's the kind of stuff that kind of lets a team get back into a game. They hit some shots and um, you know, they need to bring back kind of the the, the full crew to uh, to close it out. But they close it out. They move to two and one. And, you know, again, um, you know, would I like to go three and oh in that homestand to start the year? Of course. Um, but again, with all the things that they're still kind of working through, eh, there are worse things than being two and one um, now heading on the road to uh, Toronto for their next game, a bit of a homecoming for Adrian Griffin. So yeah, not always pretty, but again, find a way to win. And, and hopefully uh, as the bucks, as Giannis has always liked to say, hashtag get better every day. Uh, there's, there's a lot of room to get better right now. Absolutely. And I was actually at Pfizer forum for this particular game. First time in the building this season, which you know, based on how things went yesterday against the Hawks. It's a good thing I wasn't there yesterday, but it was interesting watching the flow of the game because to your point, like the first quarter ends and everything is all tied up at 28. Although at first we thought the Bucks had a little lead, but then they said that Pat Connaughton foul counted uh, right before the quarter ended. So it sent uh, Orlando Robinson to the free throw line. He knocked both of those down, all tied up at 28. Second quarter, Bucks run it up a little bit, have a 10-point lead going into halftime. Third quarter comes, you see them extend that lead even further, and you're just kind of like, wow, it's 73 to 97. And you're like, okay, this might be a fourth quarter where we get a little, you know, victory, young guys coming off the bench. We get to see, you know, who else can do what, and maybe even some Thanasis victory time. But instead, like you mentioned in that fourth quarter, things got a little sloppy. And really, if you look at it, the Bucks got went cold. Uh, they went really cold while the heat just kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away at it. And the next thing you know, that 25 point lead that they had is dropped all the way down to six. And you need Giannis, you need Dame, you need Bobby's energy at some points in the fourth quarter as well to try to make this a game again. And luckily, the Bucks were able to hold on, which thankful for. Uh, but it was rough going, as you mentioned. And it's interesting watching this team continue to grow. Because you saw improvement already in this game versus the game against uh, the Hawks yesterday where you're seeing more deflections. You're seeing more active defense from the guys, even though there were some mental lapses and you see guys, you know, getting some wide open points at the rim. It was a lot better effort than what you saw in the first night of this back to back against the Hawks. And that's what you hope for. Um, like you said about Giannis's phrase of getting better every day, you hope to see progress on a game-to-game -game basis. I saw some fans after, you know, the the L to the Hawks talking about how it's unacceptable to come out this flat. And it's it's true. With a team with champion aspirations like this Bucks team, you do expect a certain level of play from them. Uh, but to your point as well, it's a team that is developing, learning a new system. Even Adrian Griffin is learning what his rotations are going to be, which have been interesting thus far throughout this season. And it's going to be interesting to continue to see how this plays out throughout the year. And I do want to talk to you a little bit more about Giannis and Dame in particular, since that duo is the one that everyone is coming to when it comes to this Bucks team. And as mentioned, they did carry the scoring load for this Bucks team. But first, I want to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. 
Now, Bucks fans might not want to hear about the Packers right now, and I would understand <laughs> exactly why. <laughs> By the way, aren't I'm, you I'm, aren't you glad you didn't have the podcast about the Bucks and the Packers yesterday? That oh Sunday was like was pretty brutal for somebody that has to talk about the Packers every week as you do. Yes, uh, but rough. you know, we had a we had a we had a 24-hour cool-off period and thankfully got that win tonight. And I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> but for all NFL action, you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you have been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get into the action. The app is so easy to use. And I mean, very, very easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So make sure that you visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season right from FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. And also, I want to make sure that you check out the Locked On Ultimate NBA Season Preview. It's a six-episode series with all 30 of the NBA team shows representing. So if you are missing Kane's Australian tones... You can catch him on this ultimate NBA season preview that he recorded uh, before he handed over those hosting duties. They talk about teams from contenders to tankers, and they go in depth and all of the biggest storylines that were heading into the season. So make sure you catch all six episodes of Locked On NBA on YouTube or wherever you go to get your podcast. Now, as mentioned, Dame and Giannis, the dynamic duo. Giannis came out the gates tonight with 33 points. He had the Bucks' first 10 points in the first quarter, kind of set the pace for them in the first. Dame was the next buck on the board in the first quarter. He finished the game with 25 points on 50% shooting. Not so great from the three, but he was able to get to the rim anyways and score. We saw his finishing ability. We also saw that ability he has uh, around that free throw line and being able to convert those at a pretty high clip going nine of 11 from the field. And hey, even Giannis had a good free throw night tonight, eight of 11. And I know that had to make you happy. Yes. So that's Damon two out of three. That's it two is. out of three, Here Camille. 16 of 21 the last two games. He's at like almost 65, 66%. So, you know, room to get better. Hashtag get better every day. But it's getting, it's getting his head going in the right direction at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you're looking at Dame and Giannis and what they did in this game in particular, especially after Dame had a disappointing game against the Hawks, what were some of your takeaways from their performance? <clears throat> so, I mean, I think we, we still – are seeing a somewhat confounding number of times where Dame is off the ball to start a possession. He ends up like running to the left corner is maybe like a handoff action with like Giannis and Malik Beasley or something. And Dame's just kind of like still just sort of there. And it feels like he's kind of just decoying a lot of the time. Um, and so again, I, I would hypothesize a lot of this is probably them still kind of getting him into his kind of game shape. Um, you know, again, tonight, I mean, it's like you look at the, the kind of final box. I mean, 25 points on 14 shots. Once again, was able to get to the line effectively. You know, he just kind of, it's, it's one of those things, right? It's like he, he's not like a grifter about it, right? He's not a James Harden type, but he just knows how to kind of draw those kind of subtle fouls. Um, got to rim a handful of times. And uh, as you said, I mean, his three-point shot is is still not there, right? I mean, he came into this game, I think, shooting 30% from the from three, two of seven tonight. So we know that number is going to come around. 
so I think he's just sort of still finding finding his legs a little bit um, with with his perimeter shooting. But you know, it's nice. I mean, you this is the thing that I, I didn't really have a feel for not watching Dame kind of game in and game out. But um, you know, he does have the quickness. Like especially mm-hmm. if he's got a lesser defender on him, he can turn the corner, get to the rim, and finish. Um, you know, last year he had maybe the best finishing season of his career, career high in free throw attempts as well, which you know is an important indicator for a guy that that is obviously getting into his early and soon will be in his mid thirties to see him continuing to get to the rim and, and be able to get to the free throw line and get kind of cheap points that way. So, um, so I think there's still, it still feels like they're kind of solo acts that are, you know, it still feels like they're taking turns more than kind of being like that, a true dynamic duo that's really feeding off each other. Um, you know, there's no reason why they, they won't get to that point just given the complementary nature of their skill sets. Um, but it still feels like, you know, the good news was they, you know, Giannis started fast tonight. One of those was on a nice little pocket pass from the dunker spot that Dame found him in. But, um, but yeah, they're still, I think, kind of just feeling each other out. And just in terms of like the rhythms of the offense, um, I would like to see Dame on the ball more just to like start possession sometimes. I mean, it was interesting. I felt like we saw a ton of those, either you call it 45 or a, a V pick and roll, like those really high mm-hmm. pick and rolls in the game against Philly. And it just seems like he wasn't even bringing the ball up all that much tonight. We didn't see nearly as, as of nearly as much of that action. And again, it's, there's no like single play that like, is just like going to work every time. Right. Like right. the defenses are too good. Like, you know, it's as good as Dame is, you know, you got to do different things. Um, but, and the other thing too, about Dame, I mean, he's just like a really good tough shot maker. So it's not just about like running actions that get him like wide open jump shots. Like he doesn't need wide open jump shots. Like he's right. become a star taking difficult jump shots and just being able to hit those. So I think that's also part of like getting used to watching him and, and understanding like, well, how much room does he really need to get shots that he's going to make consistently? And so right now, obviously the three point shot hasn't been falling at the rate that necessarily you'd want, but I think it'll come around. And, you know, I think the thing I saw from Giannis last two nights, um, you know, ironically, I think the, the, the game I might've liked from him the most might've been the Hawks game. He hit a, he took a couple of like kind of questionable jumpers against Atlanta. He took like a fadeaway turnaround on the baseline. He took a three that he missed badly. But then after that, like literally everything was within five feet. And, you know, for a Hawks team that has really defended him well the last few years, we always talk about Anyeka Kongu and how well he defends Giannis. They've got obviously Capella, Jalen Johnson, like kind of athletic big guys. Uh, you know, he was able to get to the rim a ton against Atlanta, scored an efficient 26. And I thought just really played within himself. And then I think largely carried that over. I think the thing I didn't like was after he hit the, I think he was like four or five to start, maybe even four or four. Started taking just some like pull up mid rangers against Thomas Bryant. It's like, dude, you can just go at Thomas Bryant. I mean, he's not going to stop you, man. And he hit that early three. So maybe that kind of got him thinking like, oh, I gotta work on my game a little bit, take some jump shots tonight. And there were like three kind of just, mid rangers he kind of corked up that you know it just felt like man you could have really attacked thomas bryant so that was a little bit frustrating but um but look i mean he he obviously made plays in that fourth quarter as well when they needed buckets he was kind of heads down for the most part getting to the rim scoring um and you know they're obviously they're going to need to continue to figure out kind of the kind of rhythms of of playing off one another and as i said after the the first game you know, I think the hard part for Giannis is like when he's a screen setter, like he's probably the guy who's going to benefit the least directly from himself setting screens. Like Dame, you know, will benefit 
if unless he's being trapped and he then he has to get the ball away. But um, but you know, obviously Dame can benefit in terms of the runway he's going to get, the attention Giannis is going to draw, and then everybody else too, just the, the attention that that he's going to draw. Like I don't know that Giannis is going to get like a ton of just you know wide open dunks and alley oops off of those, those pick and rolls because teams are just going to be so fi- fixated on it. Um, although it, it figured Chris Middleton, right? Because Chris Middleton, who better to play with Giannis than Chris Middleton, right? Mm-hmm. In the first the two minutes, right? Chris just turns the corner and it's like, oh, here Giannis, here's just a you know serve you up a nice little alley oop to, to finish a dunk. So yeah, I think it's going to continue to be a process. It doesn't feel like you know either guy is you know with, obviously Dame had the huge kind of first first game, but um, but I think as far as like really both guys, like again, it doesn't feel like they're like playmaking to the extent that we can and assists aren't everything obviously but the fact that neither guy has kind of had any big assist nights um you know i think it sort of shows that they're still sort of figuring out like kind of where guys are going to be and kind of what the the offense is is going to look like and some of that too is i think just bucks haven't you know hit shots consistently um you know tonight tonight they had the good shooting first half kind of helped them build the lead it was nice to see pat Connaughton make some threes for a change um but it's kind of weird like i it just sort of goes to show like how kind of final box scores can lie. I mean, the Bucks, I believe had hit one more three than the Hawks on Sunday, which just kind of blew my mind because they were what three out of 23 or something in the first half. And it felt like, you know, Atlanta shot the lights out and then, you know, AJ green comes in the fourth quarter and, you know, they make some shots in the fourth quarter. I was like, wait a minute, what they had more threes than Atlanta. Like, how is that possible? But I don't think the Bucks have actually had a, I think they've been under like 35%, 36, 35% kind of in all the games. I don't think they haven't had like a really good three point shooting night and opponents have had some good shooting nights. So, um, so hopefully obviously that'll turn around a bit. Again, Dame is not going to be, you know, a 29% three point shooter or whatever his numbers are at right now. So, um, so yeah, it's just a process and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly not that worried about the offense. I think the offense will sort of sort itself out. I think the defense is probably where, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not surprised what they're doing because we kind of, like we're Adrian Griffin sort of tipped his hand that they were going to do a lot of the stuff that we were seeing them do. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think that defense, you know, given the personnel and the scheme, I have concerns offense. Yeah. Can Dane be more involved? Of course. But I think again, some of that is just like, honestly, him kind of getting into shape. And, you know, I think if, if they had to play a playoff series tomorrow, I, I think they'd probably look a, a fair bit different offensively. And to your point about Dame getting in shape, It's funny because we can also see Giannis working himself into shape. There were times in that fourth quarter where I'm sitting, I'm like, he is gassed right now, but he is still pushing through. And in that fourth quarter, you saw a couple of times where Giannis just gives the ball right up to Dame. And he's like, now you, you run this now. Like, like you said, it's your turn to take care of this right now. And then towards the end of the game, Giannis took it back. Like, okay, I got the mismatch. He's going to people's chest, like in just getting buckets had a, a, ugly airballed free throw uh but the five star forum encouraged him uh it did not help on that second free throw but yeah. the important part of that is that Giannis kept attacking he does not get scared of the moment and he continued trying to exert his will and make sure that the bucks win this game and when you look at his play in dames something about dames game that stands out to me you mentioned how dame isn't somebody who you were watching night in and night out I wasn't either. I would catch a Portland game when I could, but even at his age, the way that he uses his his speed is just so deceptive to defenses. Like he can decelerate so quickly and accelerate. 
just as quickly off of that. And he uses just like angles to attack. Like he is a very smart offensive player and he tries to find whatever piece of space you're going to give him. And he is going to attack that wholeheartedly. And I love to see it. It's fun watching him be a three-level scorer, being able to finish at the rim, get some mid-rangers off. We know what he can do from three, although they haven't landed yet. But just the gravity of what Dame can do in his reputation opens up so much for others. There was a point during the game where someone in the crowd just kept yelling for Dame, like, shoot, shoot the ball. But then he would just have a beautiful dish, and the guy would just get really quiet and be like, okay, good bucket. Good question. And I'm like, yeah, like I think Dame knows uh, what he's doing at this point in time with this team and talking about this team. Someone else who I can't wait to talk about is Bobby Portis and the rest of the bench mob because they came through uh, with a lot of energy, especially in that first half to help push that lead up. And I do want to talk a little bit more of that after I talk about game time. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And with killer last minute deals, all in prices, like game time just takes all of the guesswork out of buying tickets. I was on there earlier, just kind of taking a look. Friday's game against the Knicks, who I was thinking about earlier, the end season tournament. If you want to get tickets to go to that and see this brand new court that's being unveiled for (laughs) this end season tournament. Make sure that you browse game time and check out the tickets. Listen, you can get last minute tickets. Even if Thursday, you're like, I don't know if I want to go. And then Friday comes and you're like, got to see that court. And my got to see that lime green ass stripe down the court, man. We need to <laughs> gotta see, that. see it. Got to see it. Check out game time. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Lowest price guaranteed event cancellation pr- protection. All of that is included as well. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. Again, you can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can see the all-in prices to show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without any hidden fees, and you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. So take all of the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. So again, create that account, redeem the code locked on MBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. As I mentioned, that bench mob from the Bucks, Bobby had five serve for him bumping today. Like some of the loudest Bobby chants I've, I've heard. And maybe it's because I was in the building and it sounded different, but Bobby got so much love for his performance. Uh, finished the game with 16.70% from the field, perfect from the free throw line, threw in eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, another block, like very active hands. And I mentioned it earlier, but that's something that I've noticed with this Bucks team today. Very active hands, a lot of deflections. You saw Bobby getting to it. You saw a campaign trying to get in there, knocking down threes, Pat Connaughton knocking down threes. A.J. Green got in the game, and although he didn't knock down any threes, I thought that a lot of his decision-making was good. He had some really nifty passes. He played the best defense that he could, uh, made things tough on the shooters, and overall put in some quality minutes with Marjan not being available tonight, and the bench mob came through for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's sort of those things, right? Like, I, I know we've had debates, and I've, you know, kind of talked about some of Bobby's limitations that we've seen in the playoffs, but 
look, you, you need dudes that can get you through 82 games. And like, I think, I think to say that Bobby's like an 82 game player, like maybe that would seem like a shot at, at some of the inconsistency that we've seen from him in the playoffs, but you need guys that can get you through like the night tonight of an NBA regular mm-hmm. season. And, you know, like a night like tonight where um, we've seen it so many times with the Bucks, maybe, you know, maybe they're scuffling a little bit or there's a little bit of like a kind of a lack of energy. I'm, I'm curious, like kind of, I, I wanted to ask you maybe when, when we're done with this Bobby discussion about what Fiserv was like and kind of how the energy was in the building tonight, um, because we know Fiserv can get a little sleepy, especially like yeah. after halftime when people are like, you know, taking forever to get back from the concourses and stuff like that. Um, like sometimes like it just needs like Bobby Portis to like fire them up and get a Bobby chant going. And, you know, tonight, obviously the first grade, it's not like they were like down 15 or something like that. But, uh, but I, I think that's just something that he does is, is bring some of that energy. And again, the fact that he can score, he doesn't need somebody to go give him easy shots. Like he can just go manufacture, you know, little post moves, little hook shots, face ups, that kind of, that kind of stuff for himself. Um, but I thought that, I mean, the, the thing that probably was the most memorable tonight was, I mean, Bobby Portis, like trapping practically at mid court and creating steals on like back-to-back plays. Um, you know, he finished one of them and, and Pat, I think, well, Pat, I guess got blocked or whatever (laughs) (laughs) on the other one. Um, it's kind of one of these funny things, right? Like I want to, I want to talk about Brooke Lopez a little bit here, um, in a moment and, and sort of his continued usage on, on defense. Uh, you know, it's like, we can never have the combination of things we want, Camille, like, you know, it used to be like Bobby was dropping, uh, like Brooke was under bud and it'd be like, dude, Bobby can't really play that type of defense. Like I was always of the opinion, like you might as well have him not necessarily switch all the time, but like switching a lot more playing higher up on the screens just because he's not really protecting the rim at much anyway. So like, I would just play, kind of higher risk defense with with Bobby. Um, now we have a coach, obviously, in Adrian Griffin, who embra- embraces sort of the higher variance, higher risk defense. And so you have these moments like tonight where it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, I don't know, sure, like have Bobby play like aggressively, like, you know, he can he can move his feet a little bit out there. He's obviously not some some terrific rim protector by by any stretch. So yeah, sure, right, let it, let it ride. Um, Although part of me was also like kind of thinking like, hmm, is it is it maybe a little dangerous if Bobby has like a little too much success trapping? <laughs> is this gonna make him think that he can just like, you know, go crazy like running around like the Nassus on the perimeter, thirty feet from the hoop, just uh, kind of chasing ball handlers because uh, there are obviously also kind of limitations to that approach. But um, but look, I let me say this: I remain skeptical that the bucks uh this kind of gambit of you know doubling way high on screens and trapping far from the basket is ultimately going to be kind of a winning trade-off especially with the big men i think with bobby it's the the least of my concerns versus Mm -hmm. uh certainly brooke being kind of the obvious guy that that i do have reservations around um so you know again i think I'm just really curious to see kind of how the Bucks' defensive metrics sort of evolve. Um, you know, I thought one of the more interesting ones is they have allowed very few shots at the rim in these first three games. Like their share of shots at the rim is is actually like even lower than it was last year. 
um, when they were third in the league, and it was like 28%, which is the lowest it's been during the butt era. Now it came into this game like 24%, and the Heat like barely got any shots at the rim tonight. The problem is when teams do get shots at the rim, oh, they're okay. basically dunks or layups. Yeah, exactly. Like it's because Brooke is, you know, stuck mm -hmm. 25 feet from the hoop or their transition defense has been really bad. <laughs> like that play in the at the end near the end of the fourth quarter where Duncan Robinson just like dribbles oh, up into like an eight foot little push shot with nobody around him. Like, I mean, anyway, so yeah, the rim defense numbers um, are kind of a very mixed bag in terms of few shots allowed, but I think teams came into this game shooting 80%, 80%. <laughs> uh, and I think the Heat shots 9 of 12 tonight, which again, like net-net, I'll take 9 out of 12 because it means you only took 12 right. shots at the rim, which is really good. Um, so if you're a little more accurate, like that's not the worst thing in the world. So it's been a little weird because they're still deterring shots at the rim Um similar slash better to what they have in pre previous years, but they're doing it in different ways, which tend to mean that, yeah, it's, it's a dunk if, if they get beaten. Um, and I think again, like to me, just some of this stuff too, like the transition defense. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm curious what the coaches are saying and kind of in the film study, um, you know, they're going for offensive rebounds, but I mean, the bucks actually like, especially you remember last year, like the guards crashed a lot on for uh for offensive rebounds as well i mean grayson allen would always like run in and try to like bat the ball you know back mm -hmm. to half court i mean it's not like that's some brand new thing that they're doing under adrian griffin so i think there's definitely a better balance to be found um versus where they are right now um especially with the transition defense um you know i think they're doing some things still pretty well like limiting shots the rim the defensive rebounding has also still been actually really good. It felt like against Atlanta, they they had some really it's not like whenever they wanted to get a stop, they would give up a second chance opportunity that, that Atlanta converted. So it, it felt worse, I think, than the numbers ultimately said said it was in terms of the defensive rebounding, but they were also really good against the Sixers in terms of preventing um, second chance opportunities. So some things still carrying over in terms of like the you know, kind of the results. Um, but obviously they're doing it in different ways and um well, let me, before we talk about Brooke Lopez, what, what was the energy in the building like tonight? Because you had obviously the huge opening night win, tons of energy, game time, et cetera, to the womp womp uh, Sunday night egg laying against uh, the Hawks. I don't know how many people went to both Hawks and Heat games. And the Heat I would games. love to know that. <laughs> um, I'm sure people that went on Sunday um, were eager to, uh, to see a bounce back, which they mostly got, uh, but what, I don't know if you want to compare it to, to games that you went to last year and previous seasons, but kind of what was the energy like? Because I think in theory, I think the arrival of Dame, especially with these early season games, people seeing Dame for the first time, I imagine there'll probably be some excitement that maybe there hasn't been in prior years when it was mostly the same team coming back. Um, but also it, obviously a lot of the stuff depends on if the Bucks actually give you something, something to cheer about, which exactly. they did for stretches tonight. Bobby, Giannis, et cetera. Um, but I don't know. How did you feel about the building tonight, the energy? Um, you didn't get your uh, lime green stripe on the court quite yet, Camille. But uh, with with the regular floor, what was it like in there? You know, for a Monday, I would actually say it was a really good crowd. And it could be in part to, like you mentioned, because Dame is on the team now. It could have been in part because it's the Miami Heat. 
and Bucks fans feel a certain way about the Heat. And that was even before last year's playoff outing from the Heat. Like there's been beef on site between the Bucks and the Heat fans for for some time now. So I think when you mix all those different factors together, it was a game that a lot of folks were excited to watch. I did see, unfortunately, that some folks outside the building uh, weren't able to watch a lot of the game because there were some technical difficulties uh, with Bally. But in the building, when the Bucks were giving us something to cheer about, it was loud. And once that lead really started to stretch, you could really feel it. But what also happens with the big leads that people start getting distracted and thinking about other things because they're like, oh, this game's in the bag. People started leaving, you know, at the beginning of the fourth when that lead. I think was the, so the Bucks, the Bucks, the Bucks were on the same page with that. They also yeah. almost left before the game. Their energy reflected the crowd, <laughs> to, be, to be completely honest right there. And uh, when the game started getting closer and people had to lock back in, it started to, to become more alive again and, and cheering it on. And like I mentioned, even when Giannis was in the air ball, like the fans got very, very vocal to support him and say like, hey, keep going. Like, we know you got it. Shoot, you got it. So I'd say it was a pretty good crowd, especially for a Monday at five serve. But before we get out of here, I do want to hear your Brooke Lopez takes that you had because uh, I'm never uh, not amazed at watching how Brooke Lopez is able to navigate his way to the rim with some of the slowest moves and grooves I have ever seen, but they are so effective and part of because of his size and his skill levels. But definitely want to hear your Brooke Lopez take before we get out of here. So I, I just posted a, uh, a thing on Twitter. I, I, I was rewatching. I, I, it happened. I saw, I noticed it live and then I wanted to go find it um, after the game. So while we were, I just, found the i think it was well I, I posted on twitter i think it was like five minutes left maybe in the game brooke comes back um he ends up kind of having to hedge out recovers back um against the heat defensively and then the heat end up getting the ball with harrow um he's like you know 30 feet out or something like that and i think i guess it was i think it was orlando robinson like comes up to set a screen and like brooke like comes up and he basically kind of like goes to the left of of Robinson, kind of like past Robinson. And Harrow's just like standing there, like not. It's not like he's like attacking really or anything. And as soon as like Brooke comes up, um, Robinson kind of slips it, and Harrow just throws it right over the top to to him. And it it's not like they just like immediately got a dunk out of it or something like that. They ended up like banking a three in, which that was like that weird bank three moment, which was like you know okay, cool, this is going, but the way that like Brooke just sort of like came all the way out and like, it was such a like going through the motions type of play. Like it wasn't quite as egregious when I watched it on replay, but as it was happening, I was like, is Brooke like tanking this, this like trap? Yeah. Is he basically like doing like, you all right, you want me to trap this dude 30 feet from the basket? All right. I'm going to, I'm out here. I'm out here. You know, he's, you know, glacial, glacial Brooke. Right. So you can't really tell if he's, actually like running as hard as he can or not. So, um, you know, look, I don't want to cast aspersions on Brooke Lopez, one of my favorite human beings in the NBA. So I'm not going to say that he was like half-assing it or whatever, but I I have to think there are moments, and, and we saw it against the Hawks where like Brooke, you know, ends up kind of going out to the level of screen and then he kind of keeps going and they end up sort of like doubling you know, trapping the you know Trey Young at at various points, and it's just like it's just not really going to work. You know, like yeah. Trey Young is such he's he's so quick, he's a great passer, 
their bigs know how to rim run when defenses collapse on on Trey. Um, and it just felt like it was a losing bet against the Hawks all night long that every time they tried to kind of force the ball out of Trey's hands, like, you know, something happened that that got Atlanta layup, whether it was, you know, just the scheme kind of being exploited or in some cases, like just guys not recovering, you know, Giannis Mm -hmm. picked the wrong guy to defend at various points, you know, just, just stuff happens and, and just breakdowns. And so I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of one of these things is like, this, this really shouldn't be that hard. Like I, I get it. Like Malik Beasley and Dame are not getting over screens and like rear contesting the way, you know, Drew and George Hill and Eric Bledsoe did in years past. So I get it. It's probably not going to be as effective because you mm-hmm. don't have the same personnel, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's three games now, you know, tonight's defensive numbers would have been pretty good if they didn't just get absolutely like crushed mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. Right. I mean, they were basically like the defensive rating that was basically average. Um, and it would have been a very nice number if not for that, that monster fourth quarter. But um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm kind of just curious, like, I mean, how much of this is them trying to force the bucks to do something, you know, the coaches trying to force the bucks to do something different, knowing that you can always kind of revert back to more of that, like old school kind of base drop defense that they've played in prior years versus how much of this is like, like, no, they're, they're just really going to do this all year. And like, they just think that this is what the bucks need to do to, right. you know, be effective. So I don't know. I mean, uh, I've definitely have, let's just say I've thought back to the Jason Kidd defense uh, mm-hmm. commentary and, and stuff. Like I, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to invoke that. Um, I've moved past that time in my life, Camille. <laughs> um, my, my first daughter was born like a few days after Jason Kidd was fired. So that was like a nice sort of like pivot point in my life. Everything before that, mm-hmm. pre-children, blah, blah, blah. not going to think about that. Let's talk about Bud's championship winning defense. Um, and now, um, fittingly, I had my second daughter, like, I think about a week after Bud was fired. So it's like every time I'm about to have a kid, a Bucks coach gets fired, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not planning to have any more children. So I don't know if that means Adrian Griffin's just going to coach forever. Hopefully uh, he has a long, successful career, but um but yeah i don't know i just just something about kind of the start of this it just mm-hmm. gives me some anxiety and obviously you know griffin and the raptors had their share of success as well but you know they also had a lot of like talented perimeter defenders and um you know again i would love it if they could recreate the 1920 marcus uh defense that they had before they kind of went down that mm-hmm. weird we're not going to have any big guys defense that they had All the last few years. Yeah, exactly. Which ne- didn't work by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody loved talking about it. it really didn't work. They didn't win a single playoff series, but, um, but yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see. And I think that the other piece too, that I would just point out like the transition defense stuff, like, again, like there's no reason like systemically that like you can't get back in transition. You can't match up, you know, like when teams are pushing, like, I think right now it's just like sloppiness, lack of attention to detail. And yeah, probably just, some poor defenders, right? More, more poor defenders being on the floor. Um, so I, again, I don't know that the bucks can be a great defense, you know, with the current starting five, like they, again, like my, you've heard me say this, like, I think there's gotta be some trade probably that brings in a wing defender 
to kind of help stopgap that before we get to the playoffs. But, um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to be curious to see kind of like where this all shakes out, you know, like 15, 20 games in, like, are they, you know, like the 23rd ranked defense or does this kind of stabilize? Do they kind of figure things out? Um, shooting luck always plays into it. You know, maybe they settle back into something maybe slightly above average. Right. I mean, at this point, if you told me slightly above average and an elite offense, like, okay, you know, like I said, probably take that. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see. And I think honestly, the thing I'm most wary of is maybe not most wary of, but like when you talk about like, Oh, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to force turnovers or whatever. I think I've, I've seen examples. Like I've seen Giannis do this where it, it translates into kind of like lazy, like let the guy go by and try to, you know, swipe at the ball, swipe, on the way at, the ball, swipe, yeah. swipe at the ball for a steal. It's like that, that's not, that's not what Adrian Griffin is talking about. He's not talking about like, you know, just like go for gambles and play these sort of losing bets. Like no coach is wants that. So I, I just sort of worry as well that like, is some of this talk like going to enable some behavior in terms of like just fundamental defense that, that just, you know, doesn't work. So, so we'll see, but hopefully that's, you know, part of kind of the early season tape and hopefully they kind of work through some of that stuff. But anyway, Camille, your first first official podcast because it's with me. We're over forty minutes, so uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we might as well wrap this one up before I've, I get I've followed through. My, my work is done. My work is done. <laughs> I've managed to drag out your first podcast, but we made it, and uh, at least it was a win too. So I got to be yes. kind of a happy one for that reason. Absolutely, and and like Yana says, just got to try to keep on getting better every day when it comes to this whole thing. But uh, <laughs> oh, I'm beyond that. I'm not. I'm not getting better, Camille. I am who <laughs> I am. I am who I am. I, I I peaked years ago. This is just uh, me taking a long time to express basic opinions. So sorry about that. Hey, well, you know what? Let's get on out of here. Uh, let's wrap up today's show of Locked On Bucks. And for all those listening, we'd love to know your thoughts from tonight's win over the Miami Heat, as well as, you know, how you thought they played in comparison to the first night of that back-to-back against the Hawks. And if you're unfamiliar with how I operate, I love chopping it up with folks about the Bucks. So if you're active in our YouTube comments, you will see me in there mixing it up as well. And also feel free to reach out to me on the site, formerly known as Twitter, at Camille Monet. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to right now so that you can always get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. Tomorrow's show, we'll be catching up with Justin. So I hope that you guys will join us as well because, hey, your time is valuable and you can't get it back. So I'm thankful and appreciative that you chose to spend that time with us. We're going to get out of here. See you all tomorrow.